Hello, everybody, and welcome to 12 Bar News. Tonight, I'm your host, the Brave Badger, and I'm joined live in the studio with Darsh and the Scared Fox. How we doing? How we doing? We doing pretty good. Yeah, doing great. Nice. Uh, so we're back live in the studio for another music nerd discussion. Tonight we're talking about the New York scene of the 2000s, a little bit about its influence on today, the bands that made it up, and you know just the general vibe. And I know you might not know the scene, but once you hear about the bands that we're talking about, you're going to definitely know the bands yeah. for sure. So first, let's just start off with the music nerd news segment that we like to call... What's happening?! I like that. Christ. <laughs> so I'm going to start us off with David Crosby. Uh, so uh. the founding member of the Birds and Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young has uh, passed away at age 81. His wife released a statement that the folk rock singer-songwriter died peacefully, Good. surrounded by his family Good. Uh, after a long illness. But Crosby had just released his eighth solo studio album back in 2021, and he spent his whole life creating music and inspiring generations of rock stars. Honestly, yep. without CSNY, you don't really get a, a Connor Oberst. You kind of, it gets lost there. Yeah, I mean, you still right. get, Connor still creates art with whatever music, but like they did push a, a certain sound that for you know, sure people like him then changed and rode well and i would say that they had a profound influence on like the vocal like okay. uh like multiple harmony thing that like the beach boys also did and yep. the beatles also did and garfunkel you know, and uh and the simons yeah the other <laughs> garfunkel guy. and the simons the other yeah. guy <laughs> and uh you know i think their influence Will, right? Will, Will Simon. goes beyond folk uh, <laughs> Sorry. for that reason. It does. It, it absolutely yeah. does. Yeah, their influence does um, go beyond folk. And, and I mean, David Crosby had fucking killer facial hair. He did. <laughs> yeah. That stash is quite, I mean, he's a legend. He's absolutely legendary. And we did, we, we lost another one, but 81 yeah. for the amount of drugs. Right. He had definitely <laughs> problems with alcohol and yeah. heroin. 81 years. But, that's not bad. You know, Godspeed, God if you will. Yep. So yeah, rest in peace, David Crosby. And why don't you guys let us know on Facebook or Instagram what your favorite album was and his, your maybe your favorite project by David Crosby. So we're going from the sad news to a little bit happier news, but it's kind of a perfect transition from the sad passing of one of folk rock's founding fathers to the birth of a modern folk rock supergroup, And that is a band that is often compared to Crosby, Stills, Nash. That is Boy Genius. They announced that they're back together and we are getting a full record this time. Hell yes. Yeah. Not to be confused with Jimmy Neutron. Right. Boy genius. Yes. The trio consists of rock stars Julian Baker, Lucy Dacus, and Phoebe Bridgers. And over the last couple of years, these sad girl icons have been exploding in popularity. Each artist has put out a successful solo album. Bridgers with her smash hit Punisher in 2020, and Dacus with Home Video, and Baker with Little Obvious both in 2021. For the uninitiated, I would recommend checking out the band's Tiny Desk concert from 2018. It really highlights the harmonic beauty that happens when these singers combine. And in the concert, which is available on NPR Music's YouTube channel, the band performed songs off their 2018 self-titled EP, which was pretty cool. But the bands this week made the cover of Rolling Stone magazine, recreating the famous Nirvana pose. 
And they also had an interview, which they announced their new album, which is titled The Record, and will be out March 31st, 2023. How avant-garde. Yep. That's going to be cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm three, excited about that. Yep. They released three songs off of it already, and they're on streaming services now. Are they? Uh, yeah. So I would definitely recommend checking Bloody that hell, out. Bloody I'm, hell. I'm behind the times. Yeah. On each one of the songs, one of the bandmates takes lead. So on one of the tracks called $20, Julian Baker takes lead. And then we also get a Phoebe scream as the song really builds up and gets, yes. right, gets really cool. And then Phoebe gives one in the middle, which is a softer song. And then at the end, we get a pretty cool song called True Blue. It's not a Bright Eyes cover. Oh, it's, it's not, another. It's not that song. I love, not that, I love song. that Bright Eyes. That song's a great I know. song. I thought it was going to be. I was excited for it. That song's led by Lucy, and they're all very good. I would suggest checking that out, and I'm excited to hear new music from them in just like a couple months. It's been a while. The last thing I remember even, uh, when did we see Bright Eyes? Was that 2021? Yeah. Oh, wow. Jesus. Yep. Summer of 2021, ago. when we saw Bright Eyes, uh, Lucy Dacus opened up for them, and she was really good. At the Steel Stacks in uh, Allentown. Allentown, which go to a show there if you get a chance. It's yeah, it's really a cool, cool outside venue. and Smoke yeah, lots definitely. of weed. Yeah. I think Fox wanted to talk about Oklahoma beavers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they're like uh, the mating habits of wild beavers in the American South. I think you got that wrong. There, There is a band uh, out of Japan. Uh, they are known as Otoboke Beaver. Mr. Darsh is actually the person who introduced me to them. That's right. They released an album last year that is it's pretty pretty freaking good. They are playing uh they're doing a, a tour of America right now. They're playing in Philadelphia at Underground Arts on February 24th or something. Yes, or that is correct. And uh tickets are a little pricey, but as a thing that doesn't happen very often, if you're looking for a night out and you got a little dosh to spend, I would suggest going to see that show. Is Baby um, Metal opening up for them? Baby Metal is bigger than Otoboke Beaver. Yeah, by, by a lot. They're, yeah. They so are very they're underground. Uh, Otoboke Beaver, if you don't know, is like a... Uh, they're like a punk metal, punk metal. like yeah. kind of like thrash, all almost. All-female outfit. All fe- All-female Japanese rock band. They're pretty awesome. You know, if you're into like raw sounds. Oh, yes. And screaming and uh, nonsensical like uh, lyrics, they're they're pretty awesome. I I highly recommend them. So, yeah, if you like speedy shit, go check out Otoboke Beaver at Underground Arts in Philadelphia if you're in if you're a local. Uh, If not, just it's O-T-O-B-O-K-E. Type it in. It'll it'll pop up. Do you want to cue up a song that we can play for them to get a little? Yeah, let's uh, let's throw to the song. I I won't dish out salad. It is off their newest uh, album uh, called Super Champions, I think. Uh, and it's- Keeping with the same genre, punk rock, uh, my last What's Happening segment for today is No Effects. Uh, so Shocker. If you, if you don't know, last year, Fat Mike, the lead singer and founding member, frontman of No Effects, announced that the band would be breaking up 
and going on a massive farewell tour after 40 years of punk rock craziness. Christ. They started in 1983. Oh, my God. So this is their 40th (laughs) year, and... You know, they said, you know, they pretty much had enough, but... You don't say. 40 years. 40 (laughs) years is a long time. That's a long career at anywhere. Right. So, the tour is billed as Punk and Drublick presents no effects, 40 years, 40 cities, 40 songs per day. So, it's going to be all over the world, and they're going to play 40 cities, but there's going to be multiple nights in those cities. So they have some of these are going to be like their big punk rock summer camp. Mm-hmm. So they so far announced a summer camp in Austin, Texas. That's going to be two nights long and it's has a stacked lineup and um, that is going to be in late April. And then in late May, they're going to be in San Diego before going overseas to Spain, the UK, Austria, Germany. And those are all like a month apart. So they're going to be filling those dates in, I bet, with different, tour- with different cities throughout the world. Uh, and then they're going to be back into the States again in late June. And they're going to be sucking live in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> uh, and then they're going to be again a month later in Tacoma, Washington. And then a month later in San Francisco and St. Petersburg. There's a lot of room in there to pack out different shows. Yeah, which those are just you like know they will. the big points that they're hitting, right? Well, so those are the ones that are announced now. Mm-hmm. But they said that more dates are going to come in soon. So keep that up. I think that they're going to be running until 2024. Oh, uh, but boy. some of the people on the tour are other pump, uh, pop punk legends. Uh, including Pennywise, Circle Jerks, Bad Cop, Bad Cop, Good Riddance, Lagwagon, Mad Caddies, Strung Out, Sick of It All, and Fat Mike's other bands, Me First and the Gimme Gimmies. Ooh. So it's going to be a really cool tour. It'll and, be like going to a bar mitzvah. Right. And but way you know, more offensive. <laughs> <laughs> So I really want to go to at least one because oh, they were, we're going. They were my absolute favorite band yeah. from like eighth grade to like eleventh grade. I was just like obsessed with them. My AIM thing was like no effects something something. Uh, of course it was. No, and no then, effects skater boy no, sixty nine four twenty. It was like no effects XX yeah. XPXM or it was like okay. MXPX backwards. The more X's you had in it, right? Yeah, the, the, the it was more punk. edgy you that were. That made yeah, me more punk. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and my my away messages were epic. But uh, I was just listening to the Frank Turner and NoFX uh, dual album where yeah. they play each other's songs, and I cannot get enough of listening to Frank Turner play Bob. Yeah. I mean, that's a, such a, one of my favorite songs of all time. Well, and or Bob. Ugh. Right. If you, Bob has a history of being covered too, Rancid. So NoFX likes to do these splits where they cover other bands' songs and the other band covers theirs. So I have a split vinyl of Rancid covering NoFX and NoFX covering Rancid. Oh. And Tim Armstrong doing Bob is like the opposite of Frank Turner doing Bob uh, because like it's in your face and it's like you know punk and then frank turner does it like you know he's all, all folky all folky and british if, if only he had a st- and, uh, pedal steel guitar player man. right yeah then he would have gone far <laughs> yeah. but 
yeah so check out no effects new album just came out it's their final one they say well i so i say they say i'm kind of hoping this thing is kind of just like a bluff and they're just fucking with us because that's something no effects would do they would just like they they're they're saying we're not motley crew we're not guns and roses we're not going to come back because we need money this is the this is it this is the final tour and i think it would just be hilarious if they're like jk and like they just come back um, i don't know i could see it happening i could also see them taking a little break right they like like we were saying earlier they have been playing music i mean professionally for how long right uh not to mention like the the slog that the clubs it are like when you're coming up right they were like trailblazing bands with fat records which is fat mike's record company which had a lot of like the bands when i was growing up listening to skate punk and pop punk you had all these bands that came out on Teenage fat records bottle rocket right and like, less than jake was they, on there yeah less than jake was on and fat, um, fat records until they they were spun off on a field by ramen right you know, it was an indie record label, but it had a lot of like big hits. And John Feldman uh, did some of their albums uh, of, so, of Goldfinger fame for those who don't know. Yeah. And he's a famous producer. And so a lot of different uh, artists were on Fat Records and it's still pretty popular now. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be a, a different world without no effects. It's it might be a little bit cleaner, which not in a good way. Far less. Far of of Fat Mike's ass, and that's fine. Far with me. less syphilis in the bathtub, but <laughs> if you don't know, that is a book by No Effects, and you should check that out if you're into that and you have a, a you know a strong stomach, a sick sense of humor. Yeah, he is a freak, and he is a proud freak. Freely and, admitted, yes. And I don't think we're gonna see Fat Mike go away as much as just No Effects, uh, because Fat Mike has, like I said, he's in Me, me First in the Gimme Gimmies. He's also Koki the Clown, and he also is a music producer now. He's produced the last Fishbone album, or the newest Fishbone album that's about to come out, okay. which will be sick. Fishbone is an awesome band, if you haven't heard them. They are ska punk pioneers and uh, fuck racism. So that is a good album by them. Check it out. So that's all my what's happening. Do you guys have anything else? Do you want to talk about what we've been listening to? I'd like to. Yeah, we should have like a segment name for that. What what should the segment name be called? Audience poll. What what do you think what do you think this segment should be called? Yeah, give give us some free ideas so that we don't have to like pay somebody. So we don't have to pay Jeff to come up with ideas. Right. Cuz that guy just He's costing us a lot of money. Yeah, and we... honestly, he's pretty rude. Yeah, and he smells funny. Yeah. Fox, what have you been listening to? So I haven't been listening to a crazy amount of like new music. Uh Odeboke Beaver has been in the the mix. I've been listening to a lot of the re-releases of the Beatles albums. They just re-released uh, Revolver uh, cool. with a, like a super deluxe edition. It's it's very interesting. I love listening to like off takes and whatnot. And I just started listening to an audiobook that was written by like their official biographer called Tune In by Mark Lewison, and it's a fantastic book. Right. That's cool. I might have to check that out. Yeah, because I know you like the Bob Spitz book, which is a encyclopedic book. Yeah, it's pretty um, comprehensive. But Tune In is a it's the first book in a three part planned series and it covers the years from pre like pre quarrymen to uh right before they break. And then the next book will be the next section. So it tells this Beatles stories in a three part 
series and it, they are dense i have the audiobook at 36 hours and i've already put in eight hours of it wow it's a dense book but it, definitely a good read if you're a beatles fan like i am and like we all are yeah, we're a big fan of audiobooks on the on the channel here I too. Do, yeah yep. i do yeah uh, i know that we all do love a good audiobook yeah i'm gonna be suggesting one in our main segment but that's cool yeah I'm going to go next. I have been listening to some uh, new releases that came out because uh, that's my job. I have to be here to tell you guys what's coming out. So you're welcome. Bullwinkle kind of did my work for me, so I don't have to go on with too much of these. But the new New Found Glory album came out. And if you haven't checked out our first episode of the season, Bullwinkle goes into details about this album. It is actually an acoustic album that has a lot of like their most popular songs all down here from here, My Friends Over You, all those songs, but also all new material too. And it is kind of a tribute. It's called Make the Most of It. And uh, their guitarist has cancer. And so this is kind of in honor and in tribute for him. And, uh, you know, hope he gets well soon. So I've been listening to a little bit of that. And Bullwinkle also covered in that episode the new Iggy Pop album, which I listened to. It was it was pretty good, but it just wasn't as punk rock as I thought it was going to be because it had a the backing music was actually really cool, but it had the guitarist of I think it's like it's a metal band uh, that he's in. Go back and listen to the what Bullwinkle said. Anyway, the new Iggy Pop album was pretty good. There was also a new album by We Are Scientists, which was exactly what I thought it was. I'm not like a huge fan of that band, but it it was a pretty decent album. But I don't know. I wouldn't listen to it again so what have you been listening to darsh okay so uh i've been pretty all over the place i've actually been watching a lot of music videos i was telling badger earlier that uh a song that i love by the white stripes i for the first time saw this music video the hardest button to button the music video for that song is so good and uh i was like contemplating how they must have done that you know, it, it was before, I think, the point where they could probably have just edited it. Like, it's, uh, they do this thing where on the beat, they, like, have, you know, probably, like, 30 different instruments, whether it be drum sets, amps, and, like, they all move in kind of, like, a stop-motion way. It's pretty great. I, I recommend it. I check it out. Yeah. That you guys check it out. I've seen it. Yeah, um, I've seen it back in the day. Back in the day, yeah. The, uh, the other thing... Okay, so... I was in a scenario, right? I, I was, I'm married. So my wife is really into like metal and she's specifically into like metal core, right? And uh, we got into this, not an argument, but I was complaining as you do. Uh, but I was complaining that uh, metal core is cool and everything, but there isn't a ton of dynamics in the in the sound and it, uh like it whatever we were listening to at the time f- sounded inc- incredibly compressed so it was all just like loud like everything was the same uh you know volume like all of the guitars sounded exactly the same volume and i was like you know i, I voiced this complaint to my wife and she was like well you know that's just the the sound of the music that I listened to. And I was like, no, it isn't. And uh, I grabbed another one of her CDs, which was Cradle of Filth Nymphetamine oh, from God. 2004. <laughs> and we listened to it. And 
ama- instantly. I like the dynamics were so there and it was so different, you know, like, yeah, there were quiet parts. There were, there were loud parts. There were soft string little parts that, you know, he does like all these different kinds of screams. And, you know, I, you know, I'm not like a metal fan. I wasn't hugely, you know, that's not like my go-to thing, but I got to say that album helped me prove my point so well. You know, like, uh, and she was like, wow, you know, it kind of like, I feel like I got through to her and, uh, you know, the album's pretty good for what it it is, you know, for like a, a death metal thing. But yeah, that's what I've been listening to. Let's get to our main event. Main event. Main event. So. Main event. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Sorry. It's Friday. Friday, Friday, Friday. Paid for the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. Pretty sure it's Monday. Anyway, so tonight on our main event, we are going to be discussing the New York rock scene of the 2000s. So that is like the garage rock scene. And you may not be familiar with this scene, but I guarantee you, you've heard of a lot of the bands that we're going to be talking about. And I'll be honest and say that I didn't really know much about the scene until a friend of the show suggested I watch Meet Me in the Bathroom. It's a documentary based on a book by Lizzie Goodman, and it was actually a really entertaining watch. And if you grew up in like the 2000s, then I think you would really like it for nostalgia factor alone. It starts off in the ni- late 90s and kind of shows you what was going on in New York. It was pretty dead. There was not a lot of music that people wanted to go see, but there were little segments that were putting out some cool bands. Then as the 2000s started, they started playing more shows and getting a little bit more uh, popular. And one of those bands was the king to rule them all. No spoilers, it's the Strokes. (laughs) And What about stroking off in the bathroom? (laughs) So since <laughs> since I'm a music nerd, of course I bought the audiobook and I would definitely check that out if you are into music history and especially if you like oral history which is like brought down by these famous musicians. Similar to the book Please Kill Me, which was an oral history of the last New York scene with Lou Reed. That is an absolute, by the way, just to break in, yeah. absolute must read for any music fan. Right. And it, it had it Lou Reed. The, the gamut. Lou Reed, David Bowie. Bowie. I mean, Iggy Pop was a very main character for the MC5 and also the Stooges. Those and, guys were dicks. Right. But Wayne Kramer's a dick. But he beat, was, up, he beat up Iggy Pac because like they were trying to deal heroin right. <laughs> and Iggy just got into the stash and used it instead of selling it. So Wayne Kramer like threatened him with a gun. Anyways. Right. So there was a lot of drama like that in this book as well. But it's also the famous rock stars of this time period telling you the story. And it's a very interesting read. Some of the famous artists that tell the story are like Karen O, Moby, Julian Casablanca and the rest of the Strokes, Kimya Dawson and Adam Green, who made up the uh, the Moldy, Moldy peaches, peaches, which they're very big on the scene. Beer. Uh, also, also other members of the scene, members of those bands were in it. They, they were also in the documentary TV on the radio, LCD sound system, Great Interpol, uh, among others. And it kind of shows the scene, what it was all about. And also 
uh, it just kind of dived in how they got famous and, you know, the craziness that you saw coming out of this mixture of art rock, folk, anti-folk was a big part of this, but also like the garage rock coming out of different areas like uh, the White Stripes. And the White Stripes are not from New York, but they definitely play a role in the scene. And so I would just recommend checking out this book and I'm going to stop hogging the microphone, but definitely check it out and check out the documentary. It's a little bit more manageable, uh, but it's a really cool read. So some of my takeaways from watching the documentary was how much it paralleled what happened in Seattle not that long before. You know, it was kind of like a very like kind of underground type sound. And it's pretty obvious that there was a... uh, pretty profound influence from the grunge scene to this scene. And the other thing that struck me when I watched this documentary was just how many bands that I really like came from this scene. Right. Like, you know, we mentioned the Strokes. We mentioned the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. Karen O is a... G- She's a goddess. We mentioned LCD Sound System, and those three bands alone are, you know, some of my favorite bands. They so. were the soundtrack of our childhood. Right. Yeah. Particularly the strokes, the strokes were very influential, not just on me, but on, you know, after the strokes came out, there were so many stroke copy bands right. that came out. You oh, had the, like the, the Swedish strokes people called the hives, the right. hives. And, called uh, the vines, the Australian or New Zealand strokes, Kings that, of Leon, uh, like right. all of those bands, uh, the killers although before, before they went mainstream Kings of Leon. Were hey, the, ass. quick aside, the yeah. first Kings of Leon it's album kick-ass. is right. really it's, good. It's kick ass. I remember. Yeah when that came out i was like this is really cool and their next album came out i was like this, this is, is really le- not this cool. is right. less cool <laughs> yes there was definitely a, a but you, you know, know what your sex is on fire and they made millions of dollars so good for them <laughs> they but you know this scene was just i was surprised how punk it was you know it was very pure i'm in not. the sense that like it's, it was a bunch of artists expressing themselves where, right. where in new york was it so in Brooklyn played a huge part <gasps> of it. Brooklyn? Yeah. Shocker. So, Brooklyn changed so, the world of music again. <laughs> right. You had uh like the Yeah Yeah Yeahs and the Moldy Peaches and the anti folk scene Dude. were from Brooklyn. Yeah. So it started off in like coffee shops. Mm-hmm. And but that is how the Yeah Yeah Yeahs were formed. And basically Karen O would play folk songs on her guitar and she wouldn't sound anything like herself and then they got she got in front of a band with uh, you know her friends and just changed and she became like the crazy rock star that the, she is the like, epitome of modern rock star is right. what Karen Owens in my head anyways she's still right. a rock star she goes crazy live and it's me and Darsh were talking about this as we watched some of the documentary earlier and they just are like grungy how like fucking hard they go right yeah, she was killing it in, through the whole documentary. You know, this the there were some good segments with the Strokes, and there were some good segments with LCD. But I already knew how great those bands were, you know, live and otherwise. But I had never really seen any of the Yeah Yeah Yeahs in like a live setting, and I was like, wow, the energy that they're putting out is L- insane. A little bit different, right? Yeah, yeah. They were known back in the day when I was in high school. The guy in front of me, he was like typical stoner kind of kid, uh, and he had a Yeah 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 shirt, and I was just you know behind him i was like yeah 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 as you know just being dumb and uh he's like yeah man you know you know maps but if you see them live you'd be wearing the shirt too it was like okay yeah uh, and then so i checked out and you know like 
that first album, all their all Kara knows music I'm a fan of, but that first one with Y Control oh. and like all those all the songs off of their first album were fucking sick. Fever and to tell. Exactly, yeah. But they were a big part of this sound. Them and the Moldy Peaches, they opened up for The Strokes on their first tour throughout England before they even got popular at all over here. So they were kind of brought along because, you know, they were managed by the same people. They were of the same scene. And people in England loved it, loved what they were hearing. There were some uh, songs that were put out over there. It was the time of the early internet. So things were being released, leaked on the internet. They could be burned and put on Napster or whatever. Thanks, Napster. Right. And so people in England knew every song by the yeah, yeah, yeahs. They knew every song by the strokes. And like, they were like, oh, the moldy peaches, we saw you in this magazine. Can we get a picture with you? And like, they, then they came back here and it was like only in New York people knew them. Yeah. So it was just, that's Un- kind until, of how this whole scene yeah, blew up. Until everybody knew them. Exactly. Yeah. Once, once the strokes kicked open the door into them, because it is the, the strokes are the ones who really kicked right. open the door into the mainstream. With Is This It with, oh my in particular. So, God, and then yes. later, even more you so. You want to talk Ru- about one of the best albums with of Room all on time? Fire. I right. like Room on Fire a little more. Yeah. But, uh, but they is had, This It um, is really good. Right. In Brooklyn, they had more of the Moldy Peaches and the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. But in Manhattan, they had LCD Sound System was doing something completely different with more of a dance rock. And they kind of had more of a DJ-esque. They wanted to trip on ecstasy and they were like more of a dance music. uh, But they were still in that same rock kind of scene. They played shows together. But the Strokes basically were... Rich kids. Who are they with Queens? Where's where are the strokes from? I think they're from Manhattan, but they well, they be. played bars in Brooklyn, uh, where Julian, the lead singer, was a bartender. And the whole thing was New York was super cheap before nine eleven when it was like really dirty and it was really like uh gross and gritty. New York, you could get an apartment for really cheap. Uh, like you could rent a house. I've and heard so, I've heard horror stories about right. that. And so it was like a dangerous place, but that's where the environment was, where the, this whole scene came from. So then you could just you know not work a real job. You could have like maybe a coffee shop job, and then you can come and play music with your friends for the afternoon, and you can still pay your bills. You could go get drunk because the people on the corner would sell 15, 16 year old beer because who cares? There's it was bigger York, problems. It's, yeah, it's New York. Right. I mean. LCD Sound System does a song about that, New York I Love You, which is my it's one of my favorite songs. I think it's a beautiful song about how New York changed. They watched New York change from this like dirty, gritty, real, like bohemian almost yeah. like uh place into this like homogenized, yuppie safe. Yeah, like safe. Everybody needs to be safe all right. the time. Thanks, Bloomberg. It was Giuliani. Um, yeah, it was Giuliani and fucking then, Giuliani cleans up the place. Yeah. So a big part of this book and the movie were actually based when 9-11 happened. So it was a huge influence on these people. These This is where they lived. It was an attack on where they lived. But it was also a time where people around the world were shining a spotlight on New York. And everybody wanted to show love. And, you know, New York was the place back in the day. It was everybody wanted to come to New York. That's where Ellis Island was. That's where you came when you immigrated. And so it was like a beacon. And so this was, again, the place where everybody looked. And who was the epitome of New York at that time? It was The Strokes. 
And they had their album primed to release two weeks after 9-11. And it really affected the you know what happened after that because you know they could have just stopped shut down but you know they wanted to build it strong and so they everybody threw their support behind the strokes not just because you know they were fucking insane and nothing was sounding that good but it was also to show love for that you know that city and so 9-11 really changed the shape of the music that was coming out of there too it got darker things got like you were living in kind of like a existential crisis where things you could die that day because you just saw like three thousand people die right so and it's new york exactly like it's new york city you know right uh, it it, there's no other city like it on the planet yep oh yeah i mean it's definitely like a cultural epicenter you know maybe it hadn't been for a while but certainly after 9-11 i think that is arguably a very strong reason why so much attention was being laid upon these bands and you know why the scene blew up you know what it's because everyone was like all about that new york feeling and you know the other thing is when i was watching this documentary I was like, I can't believe this is like history. You know, I remember when <laughs> right. all of this yeah. happened. It wasn't that long ago, you know. Yeah. Uh, and we were what middle school? Well, we were in seventh grade, seventh grade. Uh, when, when, yeah. when yeah. 9-11 happened. But I was in Mr. Haney's class. <laughs> there were a lot of things like that that triggered me in in the um, documentary. Is like, you know. What they talked about Y2K and yeah, uh, they talked about like, George W. Bush saying, you know, like we went, we yeah. won or whatever, right? And you they know. talked about like the MTV, like popular bands being like Limp Biscuit and like all these, like, really, yeah. like, uh, you know, <laughs> new metal scenes. New metal and, did they did it did have a, a throttle on new, the uh. You know the popular exactly style. yeah new metal was like the like what the record labels wanted you to be listening and the new york scene was kind of the opposite of that they didn't want to be that and that was kind of like a conflict because then the strokes got eaten up by mtv and all that world they got famous they were the headliners of these festivals and worldwide they were selling out concerts people were screaming and so that kind of played onto the strokes uh persona for the first part of their like career was just like drugs and drunk and like they were just which they did they right did. they were just they lived that they, they, yeah. yeah i remember i was straight edge so it had to be like eighth or ninth grade and i saw the strokes in camden at the big it used to be the tweeter center i think now it's like the susquehanna it's changed like i don't four know times what it is since there bud but anyway so it's been it was a huge it's a huge concert thing Back i was in, in the day. front row I was in the front row, and you were in the front I, row for the. It strokes? was in the pits. That's yeah, crazy. I was in the Holy mos- shit. You know how they I'm have so the jealous. general admission, dude. I'm so Jelly Clarkson right now. They were right there, and oh. they looked like they were gonna pass out, and I felt like I was gonna pass out. I probably drank like twelve monsters or yeah. rock stars or whatever it was, but it was like he says straight edge. Yeah, <laughs> fuck caffeine. But they, the um. Basically, it was the most intense thing I had seen up to that point, and probably one of the most intense concerts I've seen. Rage Against the Machine was a little bit more intense, but let's not talk about that right now. That's a whole. That was also thing. New York, but that they weren't from New York. I just saw them there. I mean, just just to wrap this up, I mean, uh, I think that the mu- the musical scene and movement that they talked about 
which you know wasn't just New York, but I think that a lot of the major bands came out of New York. You know, the the White Stripes they came out of Detroit, and honestly, they were the White Stripes were probably a large impetus for this. Uh, yeah, this movement. But I think that this was probably one of the last major rock like centric waves of yeah. like popularity you well, know? So, like, that, that was timeless and it was it was marked by if you're if you're not sure what we're talking about like if uh this isn't necessarily your scene there's a stripped back simplicity that happened in this time right for this music it also wasn't um, really of the it wasn't so tied to the time period like you look at the the next major one which would have been emo you know or and like post hardcore and screamo and like right. all of that was so specific to that time period that yeah. it doesn't really have that timeless vibe but this specific yeah. movement you know, I'll be listening to the Strokes and when I'm 80. You know, I'll be listening to LCD Sound System. I'll be I'm listening 80. to the Strokes when I have a stroke. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be listening to that, and then my my feed will automatically go to Tell All Your Friends by Taking Back Sunday. There you go. Yeah. And then somehow, that somehow it will sneak piece. sneak in every other song will be Death Cab for Thank Cuties. I will follow you in the dark. <laughs> That will slip into every other song for some reason. Yeah, the algorithm loves that song. Yeah, it does. It's a good it's song. It's a good song. But I've heard it a million There are way times. better Death Cab songs. There are, yeah. yeah. That's just their most well-known one. So if you guys enjoyed this conversation, I would definitely check out Meet Me in the Bathroom, both the book and the movie, the documentary. I enjoyed it. It was a definitely gave me some music nerd history uh, you know, satisfaction and dopamine. So nice. I would, that's always good. I would check that out. And if you like this one, let us know uh, so that we can keep making more and subscribe wherever you get your podcast and leave a review because that helps us out too. tell all your friends because uh, you know, you probably have cooler friends than us. My best friend's Jeff, and that guy, you know, he's a fucking douche. We already so. talked about his bathroom etiquette. Oh. I don't know that we need to go too much into the life of Jeff. Okay, yeah. Let's just all flip him off. Ready? Yeah. Everybody flip him off and say, Jeff, roll the credits. Jeff, roll the credits. Jeff, roll the credits. Well, that's all for now, folks. Thank you for listening to 12 Bar News. This show was brought to you by Ordeal Studios in Trenton, New Jersey. Audio engineering and sound design by Jeffrey Damon. Our music was created by From Space, and Michael Stanley is our resident Iowan. Please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio so that you get a new episode each time we release it. More information can be found at 12barnews.com. Thank you. Bye.